Hey, this episode of Bass Freaks is brought to you by MXR Bass Innovations. MXR has been a leader in guitar effects for over 45 years. MXR Bass Innovations creates bass effects pedals from the ground up, each one specifically designed for bass players by bass players. Not repurposed guitar pedals, but their overdrive, fuzz, EQ, preamp DI, octave, distortion, compressor, or chorus, these tried and true stomp boxes are designed by Dunlop's award-winning team of bassists and engineers. Go to jimdunlop.com and check out MXR Bass Innovations for your bass effects. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. The Bass Freaks podcast is a place to gain some insight and inspiration, as well as learn a little something about some truly amazing bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul, and today's guest is bassist Jacob Umansky. Jacob is not only a player, but a composer, a recording artist, and an instructor as well. He's the bassist for the rock band Intervals and has played with the Faceless Aviation and Painted in Exile. He is also a graduate of the Berklee College of Music, studying with heavy hitters such as Victor Bailey and Lincoln Goins, just to name a few. Huge guys. We are thrilled to have him on the show. Jacob, welcome to the Bass Freaks podcast. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's an honor to be here. Oh, we are honored to have you. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. You know, just, uh, you know, normal Monday. Woke up. Um, I, I taught a couple of lessons and now I'm just finishing uh, a record for uh, a buddy of mine. What? Tell, let's talk about it. Tell me about it. Yeah, man. It's. Um, have you ever heard of the band Ice Nine Kills? They're like... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So their guitar player is... Uh, an internet buddy of mine, I guess like most of my buddies, you know, from the music industry are just internet buddies, but, um, so he, uh, their guitar player, Dan, um, he's crazy. He, um, he has a solo, he does a bunch of solo records. So I'm doing, um, it's pretty much like, you know, kind of tech death kind of stuff. So, um, he hired me for that record. So I'm just finishing it up today. Very cool. Yeah. Very really cool. fun. So how, how many of the internet buddies have you actually met? In real life. Oh, dude. In, it's in actually from the touring, from touring, it's actually quite a few. It's just like, okay. you know, you, you meet all these, you see all these people online and then you see them at shows or you see them, you know, at NAM. So it's quite a few at this point in the, in the career, quite a few. But like when I was just starting out, you know, touring and stuff and we were doing the international stuff, it was still like, oh my God, that's, that's the dude from the thing, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> I get it. All right. Well, let's start yeah. from the beginning then. So, yeah. so. You are pretty deep into the the metal scene, prog metal scene. Sure, but you have some um, other very interesting influences. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about that. So, um, I from the age of seven, I think I I got my first bass when I was seven, which is really young, and I wasn't like you know. Um, what kind of know, bass was it? It was. The first bass I ever got was like an Ibanez G. Oh no, it was a Gretsch, like Les Paul bass. We got for 80 bucks. And then that broke, got an Ibanez Geo, and that broke. Okay. And then um, just. Yeah. What are you doing to your bases, man? Dude, I don't seven. know, man. How are you like, breaking a bass at seven? I don't know. Just the input jacks <laughs> kept like going on me. I don't know. But then I start, I met this teacher who I'd study with um, for like 10 years after that, who's like, just get a jazz bass, man. Like, come on, just get a Fender jazz. So, um, so I studied with this guy named Mike Frost. Um, he's a crazy bass player. He, you know, he he took some lessons with Jocko back in the day, like really heavy crazy. hitter guy. So I, um, so with him, you know, it was like I wanted to learn the shit that I wanted to learn, which was like at the time like Green Day, 
like Nickelback, um, Yellow Card. Um, and he was like, okay, cool. Like we'll split up the lessons. So he would teach me that. And then we'd go over, you know, like, you know, Jocko, we'd be learning like basic stuff, you know, like Blue Bossa, 12 Bar Blues and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, he, he taught me the stuff that I wanted to learn, which was like, you know, the the rock and whatever stuff that the little kids want to learn. But then he was also kind of getting me into like a little bit of theory, a little bit of jazz. And by the time, you know, I was like 13 or 14, I was kind of like, you know, I was, I was pretty good just because I wasn't just learning, you know, rock charts. I was actually studying with, he, he like, you know, subtly introduced all this crazy stuff in there that made me, you know, and I think with all that, that is that, kind of got me into like the proggy stuff where it was like, I was learning all this like jazz and all this Jocko stuff. And I thought, okay, cool. Like this is great. But, and then I discovered like bands like dream theater and between the buried in me. And I was like, Oh, you can do this technical stuff, but be heavy about it too. So um, yeah, mind blown. Yeah, exactly. So like the first heavy band that I heard that was a bit like technical was like Avenged Sevenfold. And they, you know, and they're, you know, they're still like, you consider them radio rock, but they, they've got some pretty cool, they're, they're, I, I owe like everything to that band. They got me into like, like all the heavy stuff. So I was a big Avenged Sevenfold fan. So like their bass player, Johnny Christ and like his bass tone. And yeah, that kind of got me on to like the path of where I am now, which is like the more heavier side of things. But um, yeah, that's kind of where, uh, where things started, I guess. Okay. So when you were taking the lessons with um, Mike, right? Yeah. Uh, when he, when he approached you about trying to learn the other side of the tech, more of the um, um, theory and yeah. jazz and how hard were your eyes rolling? Dude, I, I, yeah, dude, I, when he was like, <laughs> when we were trying to like, he was trying to get the modes in my head and like, you know, all that stuff. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't sick. And I, I, I was, I kick myself now because, you know, I just look at all these little kids like, you know, that bass player Gabriel Severn or um, Aaron, uh, I forgot. Oh, that, yeah. That little Aaron kid. the bassist. Yeah, yeah, Aaron the bassist. Yeah. Like I look at those kids, I'm like, I was their age. And like if I had just, you know, not been so stubborn, like who knows? But Isn't um, that, wait, isn't that true though? Like I'm a father, so I have okay. four boys. Mm-hmm. But you know, my kids always tell me, or my older ones anyway, uh, Dad, I should have listened to you. You were so right. And I was like, yeah, just like your teacher, your bass teacher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, but um, I, I definitely wasn't in, interested in it when we were going over it. But then, um, you know, as I got into like when I was around, I guess like 16 or thir- like 15 or 16, um, my friend introduced me to Between the Buried and Me, which was like a really eye opening thing because like. Um, I liked dream theater. They were cool, but it wasn't really like, it wasn't really for me. Um, and then I got into between the buried and me and I, and I heard him, the bass player, Dan Briggs, who is again, like top tier, like top three, you know, influences of mine. Um, he was doing all these, you know, they're a very riff oriented band, but a lot of the stuff he was playing was like either like, you know, these really cool contrapuntal bass lines that were like weaving in and out of the guitar riffs or, you know, he was playing these super melodic phrases and I was like, oh shit. And then I heard him like talking about, you know, just using words like, you know, Lydian and augmented and diminished. And I was like, oh shit, I should have paid attention to that. (laughs) So yeah. So then when I got to, uh, you know, when I went to school, when I went to Berkeley, I, um, 
that's when I all that all that stuff really kind of got hammered into my head, and um, I you know I took that stuff pretty seriously. Awesome. I know you studied with some pretty great players. Yeah. At, yeah. At uh, Berkeley. Yeah, that was that was that was crazy. Um, yeah, I got to uh, before he passed away. I got to study with uh, Victor Bailey, which was really really cool. Um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, one of the Joe Santier, who is, you know, unbelievably melodic, heavy hitting bass player. Um, I think I owe the most to this guy, uh, Anthony Vitti. I don't know if you ever, mm. uh, heard of Anthony. He's, um, I don't know who exactly he's played with, but he's like, he's got like Marcus chops and, um, okay. like just pocket for days, just super. And he's just this like super low key, just like your stereotypical, like new England dude. Yeah. But um, he is the sickest slap bass player. And um, when I came to him, I, I wanted to, you know, get my slap chops up, get my timing together. And um, I came to him and my my slap technique, I was kind of doing the flea thing where you hit with this part of your thumb, like the side. Yeah. And um, I thought I was hot shit. I'm not going to lie. I thought I was pretty good at slapping. <laughs> and uh, he started playing and I got in and then he started playing like Detroit. And you know, you know, Detroit by Marcus Miller. Yeah. And like, I was like, how are you doing that? And he was like, yeah, we got to, you know, start from the top. You know, we got to redo your whole technique. And I was like, what? So, um, yeah, I complete, when I was like around 18, I completely just rebuilt my slap technique based around this, you know, striking through the string. Right. What did he change about your technique? So instead of, yeah. So instead of slapping like with the side of your thumb, which is like the flea thing, or like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think guys like Rob Trujillo do that. Do that. I, I actually do that myself. Yeah, no, you too. Um, and that's, and I was going to say like, there's like definitely has its advantages to it. But with the stuff that I wanted to get into with like double thumbing and yeah. all the other party tricks, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you do the side, it's a, li- a bit more difficult to go like side than up than rather just than just going like down and then up. Got so um, yeah, and it was just also a tone kind of thing. Uh-huh. So um so we, yeah, we started that. We started like, you know, really basic with like, kind of like Lewis Johnson. Um, and I know he used the side of his thumb too, but we just, you know, we learned these like really basic slap riffs. And then, you know, we eventually graduated to like learning like the Marcus stuff. And and then we didn't really go over that much double thumbing stuff at all, to be honest. It was more so like I got this technique down and then all the double thumbing stuff and the like the bag of tricks stuff, I kind of just figured out on my own. But he gave me that foundation of, you know, the proper technique and, you know, playing everything, you know, really focusing on time and, and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I owe a lot to that guy for for sure. Awesome. Well, it sounds like it worked. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, way back, what drew you to the bass? Gene Simmons. What? Yeah, I do. It's so weird. But, um, so I... I think the, so. The, with music, I was like two years old, and Elvis was on the TV, and he was uh-huh. my, he, my parents told me he was like doing like blue suede shoes or something. And I Wait, was how old are you? I'm 27. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't like I'm like alive in like the you know the the 50s or something like that. But Elvis, <laughs> Elvis, sometime in the early 1990s was on the TV, and okay. he was doing like blue suede shoes, and my I, my parents told me I was like my eyes were like glued to the TV, and um so I, I really liked Elvis, and then like. I mean, maybe a couple months later, a year later, Kiss was on TV and I was like obsessed with Gene Simmons. Like I thought he looked okay. so sick. And uh, I'm, I told my parents like, I want to do that. And so when I turned seven, they bought me an acoustic guitar. Um, 
and and I was like, okay, then they got me lessons and I was learning, you know, really basic acoustic guitar stuff. And then I found out one of my friends from next door was like, yeah, Gene Simmons is a bass player. I'm like, what's, what's bass? And then um, I'm like, dad, does Gene Simmons play guitar? And he's like, uh, no. And I see in the eyes, he's like, oh no, I'm gonna have to buy this kid another instrument. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, I want to play bass. And he goes, do you don't even know what like bass is? And I was like, I, I want that. And um, he goes, if you stick with guitar for like a year, I'll buy you a bass. And um, I stuck with it for like six months and I wore him down and he got me my first bass. And then we, uh, yeah, then the rest is, you know, now we're here. Uh, so yeah, it was Gene nice. Simmons, but, uh, okay. and dude, he's like, you know, personality wise, I, I, whatever, but he's got some, like, I really dig a lot of the bass lines that he writes. Like if you listen to some of the stuff, like on, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. He just holds it down, man. He just holds it down. Like he does these really cool like walking lines that are, you know, you don't really hear a lot in, you know, some some of that type of music. I don't know. I I, I got to give Gene Simmons his credit, but uh, it was more so just like he looked like a badass and I thought that was cool. Yeah. And that was kind of where, and, but then I was like, okay, I should probably listen to the music and yeah, but I gravitated song to songs like God of Thunder, like the more heavy okay. ones and yeah. like, like even on like the '90s stuff where they had that album Revenge where they took off the makeup and wrote some metal stuff. I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. yeah. All I mean, right. dude, I was like negative one when it came out. But um, like uh, they have you're, this- gonna ha- you're you're inspiring me to uh, dig in a little bit. I'm not. <laughs> <gonna, I'm gonna laughs> yeah, I mean, they have cool, this one man. song called Unholy, and it's so metal. It's so sick. But uh, yeah, that's my it's appro- that's my it's kiss an appropriate spiel. appropriate name as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Got it all put together. Those guys know what they're doing. They have a future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's, so you went to Berkeley. Yeah. From there, where was your first like uh, pro gig? What you um, do? How'd you get it? So I, when I was at Berkeley, everyone was kind of all the metal kids were kind of just trying to sound like this band Periphery, which was sick. But I, you know, I was kind of like, and like they were one of my favorite bands. But I, it was very much like everyone was trying to do that. And, um, I found this band on long Island it's called painted in exile and they, I've known, heard of them and they, they were looking for a bass player and it was more like progressive death metal kind of stuff. But, uh, and it was, you know, it was, it was different. It wasn't just genty kind of, you know, the stuff that everyone was doing. And I auditioned for them and we did a record with uh, Jamie King, which was really cool. Um, we did a couple tours and then on those tours, I met, um, Aaron from intervals cause, uh, he was friendly with my band and um, he saw us play and invited my old band to open up for intervals uh, on like a couple of routing shows. Okay. And in the green room after our set, um, just casually he brought up, he was like, hey man, like, you know, Simon Grove, who is a Australian bass player for uh, this guy, Pliny. He's like, Simon's like not my actual bass player. This is just like kind of like a one-time thing. I'm going to be going on tour again. Like, would you be down to, I don't know, maybe play bass? And I was like, yeah, just got, I'm finishing school in uh, May and then, yeah, totally. So I got to, um, I got back to school and I just put up some Instagram videos of me playing his stuff just to, you know, kind of get his attention back. I'm like, Hey, remember that thing you said, you know, you were throwing the spice at him. Yeah, exactly. Check, this exactly. Out, Check it just out. That, I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still yeah. here. And, um, <laughs> and then a couple months after, um, I think it was around April, he was like, Hey, we're doing this Canadian run with a band called North Lane. And then we're doing Europe in the fall. Um, you know, would you be, you still down to, to do the gig? And, um, so 
I said yes. Uh, I sent an audition, a proper audition video, and um, and yeah, we did that first Canadian tour on you know it was my first tour on like a bus, which was really nice. You know, coming from like a like a minivan or a Sprinter, no, or whatever, not even a Sprinter. It was like a you know fifteen passenger Ford something. But um, yeah, so that was my first <laughs> big, uh, you know, you know, pro gig. I th- I think. Very cool. Yeah, man. So let's talk about the audition tape. Yeah. Because I know that's pretty common now. People send in stuff. Yeah, for sure. uh, At least initially before the in-person jams. Yeah. Um, It's a little awkward, Mm -hmm. right? Well, you don't have to to talk. (laughs) Right. But it is a little, you know, you just kind of flip on the thing. And how how did you approach it? Um, Let's see. I was was like staying with my dad in Florida at the time. And um, he like... I kind of knew I was, I had the gig. It was more so just like, uh, Hey, can you just send me a video of you playing a full song? And I, and, uh, so I just set up a GoPro. I, I put up, I think I had like some little M audio interface and I put that in the background, my laptop and I hit space bar, had a GoPro, um, just filmed it. And, um, yeah, I put it together. You just, it looked nice. You know, it was just, you know, no flash, no, no other angles, just regular video. And, um, you know, just gave him what he asked for and that was it. Yeah. You know? And, and it worked out. Yeah. It worked out. It definitely worked out. Yeah. It's really, so f- yeah. This is a, yeah. I think I still have that video somewhere. I was thinking about putting it on my, you on my should. YouTube channel or something like no, that. No, you know why? Because, because there are a lot of, um, players out there, you know, young players, especially that may have to do that, but they just don't know how to approach it. So right. I think that would be so great for people to be able to see. Yeah. I mean, how do you approach that kind of stuff? Like with, with auditions and stuff, like when you, did you have to audition Uh, for like infectious grooves or, or, or Daughtry? Yeah. But, but I did, uh, in-person stuff, so I didn't ever have to send in a a tape or anything, but I hear about people doing that all the time, Mm -hmm. especially in the last few years. Yeah. Um, but I was just curious how you, how you approached it. Yeah, man. Just, Plain and simple, you know, just, you know, Jerry rigged something up and that was, it was fine. You know, it was before I, you know, you know, before like the dark glass stuff and all the, the video tutorial stuff that I would do, I happened. So, you know, I wasn't endorsed by any companies. I couldn't like, you know, I didn't have any videographers on hand. It was just kind of like yeah. me and my GoPro and my laptop, which is, you Perfect. know, all you need. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, right. for sure. Uh, well, let's, let's go into that stuff then you, now you're all over the place doing some cool ass videos. Yeah. That's yeah. That, you know, that's like my, one of my favorite parts about the whole thing is getting to like work with these companies and, and, uh, collaborate with awesome artists. Like, yo, we gotta, we gotta do a video, me and you, we gotta, we gotta make something happen. Yes. I'm hundred (laughs) percent down. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. Um, Um, you have my number, so we're good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, um, but um, the way uh, the way that stuff went down was um, um, I had we did I just came off that first intervals tour, um, and we were starting to play some lower tuned stuff, and uh, I hit up Dingwall and told him who I was, and my artist rep for Dark Glass was the same guy, so it was kind of like, hey, thanks for reaching out, and I'm like, oh, it's you, great, perfect, and they sent me, <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that, you didn't know that, no That's clue, funny. and okay. then he sent me uh this green bass back there. Um, and I'd started with playing that and, and it was smoking the other bass I'd played. So Nam came around, um, they put out a six string version and, uh, it was like, they only had two prototypes and I 
had first met Sheldon Dingwall at NAM and we, you know, we hit it off. It was perfect. And, um, like he needed a, like someone to do like demos for him, like really on the spot. And I just happened to be at the booth and he's like, Jacob, can you like play something on this bass? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And, um, so I did some demos for him. We had, you know, the NAM thing was really great. And I, I felt like comfortable saying like, Hey, I know you only have two of these bases built right now, but I'd love to be a full-time artist with you guys. Um, you know, can we make, what can we do? And then he's like, and my artist rep was, um, like these are going to Japan, but if we'll send one to for you for two weeks to finish your tour with, and then that's it. And then we got to get it back and we'll, we'll figure out one for you. And I was like, okay. And when they sent it to me, I was like, they're not getting this bass back. There's no way. And so, <laughs> so when I got home from that tour, I just made it a point to, you know, again, I set up my cell phone video, set up the laptop and I just made this video of me playing their bass. And it was just, you know, I did it in like iMovie and I just were like, you know, Dingwall NG3 demo. And that was my first like good quality. It wasn't good quality, but you know, it was like, it did some angles on my cell phone. It looked, it looked, it looked okay. And um, that video did well. And um, I sent it to, Doug, the COO of uh, the CEO of Dark Glass at the time, and I hadn't really been interfacing with him at all. It was more so with their artist rep, Lauren, uh, who's yeah. they're all they're all just complete awesome. sweethearts. But yeah. um, Very cool. I, I messaged Doug and I said, "Hey, I just want to let you know, like, uh, my name's Jacob. I I play for the band Intervals. I'm been using your stuff since I was 16 years old. Um, Lauren's been helping me out. I just want to say thank you for all the support and everything. Just you know, just uh." You know, since I'd been I'd been playing out a bit more, I just wanted to you know talk to the guy in charge, and just introduce myself. And he's like, "Wow, this is incredible! Like, what if we just send you our pedals when we make new ones, and you could just do videos like this?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's awesome." <laughs> so they sent me so they sent me a pedal. I did another one, and he's like, "Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, what if we like give you a budget and you know you do like you know just do something with that?" And I was like, "Okay, cool." So I came up with this format of just, you know, half playthrough, half tutorial. And um, and then we did that for Neural DSP for their first video. And that did well. And it kind of just, you know, led to um, Dark Glass. Anytime they put something out, they 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 asked me to do a video for it. And and um after those came out, Dingwall hit me back up and they're like, Yeah, you can keep that black base. We you're fine. So <laughs> yeah, so it just kind of took off from there. Um and, you know, the social media thing, like, you know, I don't have a zillion followers, but it definitely, you know, it started to grow from there. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of what stemmed me doing all those videos is just that initial drive to want to keep that black base. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yes. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it, it's, it's been amazing, like, you know, um, just being able to work with these companies and, yeah. and, uh, you know, the artists that are affiliated with them. And yeah, it's been, it's been really, really cool. But you know, you know, you know about that stuff, you know, with like all the stuff you do with Music Man and and all that stuff. Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of the listeners may not know how that stuff works. For sure. And I think um, it was very important for you to reach out to Doug and take that initiative. Yeah, man. Because if you hadn't, you know, maybe all of that stuff probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. and, And I think... I think because I get a lot of questions about that endorsement stuff from my students who are, you know, some of them are, you know, my age, older, and a lot of them mm-hmm. are, you know, you know, 14 through 18, whatever. And yeah. um, they said, like, how do I get an endorsement? I'm like, dude, you don't need to worry about that stuff right now. Um, yeah. The importance, you know, I, I always say, and it's kind of an obvious thing, but, you know, just even though the companies are great, they're awesome people, you got to make sure that you can do something for them. 
right? And um, but I tell them like, look, if you want to reach out to a company, do it. The worst thing that's going to happen is because like I, I, you know, I was eighteen or seventeen, and I was you know in a band, and I, I wanted you know free strings or whatever, or just to say that I get a discount. So. And like the worst thing that ever happened to me was I, I emailed some string company and I sent them my my band stuff. I sent them our page and our and our, our album in an email and I said, hey, I'd love I use your stuff. Like I'd love to work with you guys more. And their artist rep emailed me back. He's like, hey Jacob, it sounds like you have some really cool stuff going on. Unfortunately, something something something. But please keep us in the loop with your career. We're really excited to see where you go. Like, you know, it's either yeah. you're either going to get an email like that or you're just not going to get an email back. No one's going to tell you like, dude, no, you know? So, you know, you don't have to be afraid of like that in the sense of like rejection. But, you know, when you're when you're going for that stuff, just make sure that you're in a position where you can maybe do something, you know, whether that's like social media or you're gigging out. Because like, you know, like that's, that's you know, the social media stuff is, you know, just, I mean, today it's un- kind of unfortunately just as important as the gigging stuff, but you know, I mean, in terms of like, you know, working with companies, you know, you yeah. can, there's yeah. a bunch of people who can get endorsements just by playing on the internet. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, it's like, as if you're gigging out in front of a, a big crowd, you know, hit them up. If you're, if you got a bunch of awesome videos and your, your, your social media stuff's popping off, like that's awesome, you know, but there's multiple ways to approach it. I just, I always stress, like, just make sure that, you know, because it's a relationship, you know, and you want it to make sure that, you know, you're pulling your weight. Right. Good advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, yeah. that's more of a, the endorsement thing. But, uh, gotcha. Yeah. You know, okay. Not, so not, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in the band, the intervals. Intervals. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and you're also teaching. Yeah. Yep. How did you start teaching and when? Um, I first started teaching, like my first lesson, I think was like sometime in 2018 when, uh, I just, we like through 2017 through 2018, we'd, or no, sorry, 2017, almost through like 2019, we'd been doing just like tour after tour after tour. And I was only home for like, you know, maybe five months out of the year. I don't know. I wasn't home that much. So I was touring a lot. And when I was home, I was just doing videos and like, okay, well, what else can I do? Um, and I thought I would give it a shot, you know, I, you know, cause you know, why not? I, and, um, and I, I booked some lessons and, it, and I had, and I really enjoyed it, especially, you know, after someone studies with me for a long time and they start to kind of get whatever we're working on. It was really, it was really awesome to see. And, um, and then when COVID hit and touring stopped, I was like, Oh, I haven't really been doing <laughs> much else since I graduated college. And, um, I was living with my with my folks at the time, and and uh, you know, my sister started working remotely, and I was like, I gotta figure out what to do here, and um, so I, I you know, I started teaching more, and it kind of just took off, and it kind of blew up to the point where it was like like a nine to five type situation for me. Uh, and, um, nice. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it, it kind of blew up, and um, it's just something that I do, you know, for like fifteen hours a week now, usually around. And, um, yeah, Amazing. yeah, Very cool. yeah, I, I really, I grew to love it. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, even though I do the touring stuff and I make the videos and, and stuff, it's teaching is definitely like one of the main consistent things that I do now. Um, but it really kind of took off, you know, after like during COVID when you got know. you, but, uh, yeah, it, it's something um, I, yeah, really passionate about. 
So that sounds like that kept you pretty busy during that time. Yeah, what absolutely. else did you do to uh, stay creative? Um, so my band, my other project, which is the one that I write music for, we don't have that much anything out right now, but it's called a, this project called Gia, where it's um, oh, me, cool. uh, my friend who was in my first band, uh, one of the guitar players from Intervals. We have a drummer and a singer. Um, so I, me and my keyboard player wrote an EP that's currently being mixed. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like so excited about that. Cause it's like, what my, kind of stuff is it? It's, it's like progressive metal. Um, it's, I wanted to write something. The whole goal for it for me is like, I, I love the progressive stuff. I love the techie stuff, but I want to mm-hmm. try to see if I try to make it a bit more radio friendly, you know? Okay. So it's, okay. I, I think it'd be a way, a good way to describe it is like, you know, progressive elements with some, you know, deranged form of a pop song structure, maybe. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really, exci- I'm really excited about it. it. It's, um, you know, it's the first time where I, you know, lyrically, I wrote a lot of it. And um, oh, cool. Yeah. And me and my keyboard player, we wrote, we wrote the whole EP without having like any other band members at the time. Because uh-huh. yes, yeah, so we had some weird stuff go down. But um, so we wrote this EP where it was just like drums, synth, bass, and we left space for vocals and guitar. And then um, I approached one of the guitar players from Intervals and he's like one of my best friends and we've, we've collaborated before and I was like, hey, can you play on this EP? Hoping that he'd be like, I love this, can I join? And that happened, so. There you um, go. Yeah, so it was really cool. So that was, you know, so that's something, um, it's being mixed right now, but um, that was something that definitely kept me busy. Um, yeah, just going, trying to, uh, the gyms were closed, so just doing like home workouts and, you know, watching Netflix, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, so when do you think that'll be out, that project? Um, it's being mixed right now um, by Simon Grove, which, um, yeah, he's going to, he's ridiculous. But I, I'm hoping sometime early 2023. Okay. Yeah, it'll be, it'll just be independent for now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's still a very new thing. Um, it kind of started out as just like me and two other guys you know, we were like, let's try to do this like kind of like snarky puppy kind of a metal thing where we just get all these, we write the tunes and we just get all these crazy cats to just do their stuff on it. Um, and then, I, and then it kind of, you know, I, I kind of wanted to make it more of like a band dynamic. So the first tracks we released were more of just like, hey, we wrote these songs and we got these crazy musicians on them. But now this this EP is going to be like the actual first, um, you know, um, like release of the actual band where it's like, these are the guys that are going to be in the band for forever, you know? That's killer. Yeah, man, I'm really excited about it. Very, really excited about it. Right on. Let's talk about uh, some gear stuff. Yeah, man. First, how would you describe your tone? Oh, man. Um, so many, like, oh, man. Uh, let's see. I'd say punchy. Um... A little bit of clank. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm describing like a like a cooking recipe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Like round, punchy. Um. You know, pretty high gain. Um. But clear enough to where the articulations uh can come through, like all the slap stuff. Yeah. That's that's what I'd say. The, okay. Yeah. It's definitely it definitely took some time, uh, especially with you know going through multiple bases. Um, yeah. and like can 
pick up configurations to kind of figure out what exactly worked for me. But I think I've got, you know, I've got it pretty, pretty dialed at this point. Well, let's discuss some of that journey. Yeah. How did you, how did you uh, achieve yeah. that tone? Um, I'd been playing these basses uh, that this luthier from Long Island, his name was, his, uh, he's a bass, uh, Cliff, what is it? Sorry. His, um, his name is Clifford Roy. He's a, a luthier on Long Island. He would make like one bass a year. He was like okay. crazy. And they're like yeah. very like Federa style instruments. They're amazing basses, but it, it wasn't really translating with the interval stuff. And, um, so I've, like I said earlier, I, I kind of moved to Dingwall and um, I was playing the NGs, which were really great instruments. They're like kind of like the, the you know the the import flagship models that they do. And um, while we were on our first tour, I stopped at my friend's dad's music shop, and they had this um, this '90s Dingwall that was like older than me. It was it's uh, called a Voodoo, which is basically mm-hmm. what their flagship model, the Z3, was based after, based on. And this one had um, and the pickup configuration that I had been using was. Um, like the rear two in series. So it's like more of like a music man humbucker kind of sound, which was really, really great. Um, but for slap, it was just a bit too nasally, a little too like pingy. Um, wasn't round enough, like, you know, hearing like, like the Marcus Miller kind of a sound. Mm-hmm. And I played this old dingwall that had um, of the, of the rotary selector gave you the option to do the, the front pickup and rear pickup in parallel, which is, you know, it's like basically like a modern J bass sound. And you got that punch and and like clank that you'd want from a modern instrument, while also you know getting that more. Um, and you didn't lose anything when you tried to slap or do any of those other articulations. So, um, and then I found out that this you know um, this model that they have called the Z3, which is my main bass now, you know it it had a different neck shape. It had the pickup selection that I wanted. The body shape was a lot more comfortable to me. And so I think it was like my second NAM, I played one and uh, I asked them because we had a kind of a relationship at the time. Uh, I said like, hey, what do I like, you know, how do I get one of these Canadian ones? Um, and they're just like, email us. So it took me a, yeah, a little bit of time to kind of come up with the design, uh, the, you know, the actual, um, like what the base would look like in terms of like the finish and stuff. And um, yeah, we they, they made it and it's like, the best base in the world, you know, we're, we're developing a signature model from that base now, which is really awesome. cool. Yeah. So it, it was very, yeah. So it took, you know, it, it took quite a bit of time to me for me to figure out like, you know, I love this dingwall sound, but the main sound, which is that, that music man configuration, it wasn't really doing it for me. And I had like so much like self doubt. I'm like, why do I not like this? Or, you know, it's not like I didn't like it. It's just like, why is this not working the way I want it to? Right. And, um, once I once I figured out that the J bass configuration was what I was looking for, and that the pickup I, I have different pickups um, in that one too, that were a bit more uh, you know they lended themselves well to more more of the slapping and kind of stuff that I do. Um, yeah, that that's kind of how I I landed on this thing, and um, yeah, it's, it's the best it's the best bass. Okay, what about amps? Um, so I use right now I'm using a, uh, a dark glass M900, but I, what I normally do is I run that in, I'll use my, um, I'll either run the quad cortex, which is like the amp modeler from neural DSP. 
-hmm. I'll run that through the effects return of the amp. So the amp is not really doing anything. It's just kind of acting as power. Power. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Um, Same thing with whenever I use like an actual pedal board, just use it through the effects return. Um, And now I've got the AxeFX FM or the Fractal FM9, which is another modeler that I'm going to be trying out. Um, But yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Just I usually just go through the effects return. and yeah, just because the the M nine hundred it has a built in distortion circuit from the B three K, which mm-hmm. is I think what's in uh, actually no I don't think that's in like the dark gray bases I think that's like the a different Alpha, Omega, Alpha Omega yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. it has the B three K distortion circuit which is awesome uh, but I use the the X Live which is like closer to um, it's kind of closer to like the the parallax from Real DSP. Which okay. is kind of what I, that's my main sound. Like every song you hear me use, like hear me on, that's, that's the distortion I'm using. So I Got try to it. emulate that. And um, I found okay. that using the Fractal, what I do is I, it's a pretty common thing. I see a lot of bass players who use this do. It's like they have like, they split the signal. So it's like you have a clean signal and you split it and then you run a guitar amp. And I, I found like this, uh, the, the amp that uh, 5150 is, emulates it pretty well. So I'm messing with that. We have a tour in a month, so I got to mess with it quicker. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see what happens on this one. Very cool. Yeah, what man. about strings? Uh, strings? Uh-huh. I'm using um, Dingwall stainless steel uh, strings. And I think it's, uh, it's a weird gauge. It's 127 through 30 on my six string. 127 through, th- okay. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of so a thin B string. Very light, right? Yeah, but um, it's, you know, the the long scale evens it out, I think. And yeah, the, the biggest thing was like when you play with the, in like the really low tunings, I find is like the thicker gauge you get, the, the duller the sound. Hmm. Like in the Dingwalls, they're like so harmonically rich instruments. And um so when you're playing, like, you know, and some of the songs I get hired to play on, these guitar players are playing like eight strings and they want me to, you know, go to double drop E or F or something like that. Yeah. And um, I used to do that. I used to use like a 160 gauge or something like that, which is, you know, it's like, it's like pull like a tow truck with it. But um, <laughs> you lose, you lose so much character from the, from the string. So I opted for just... Yeah, using thinner gauges and because you lose that like clank and that that super, you know, a lot of the those awesome characteristics you hear from the rest of the strings um, when you go that thick. So I've opted for kind of like a thinner gauge. And even when we go down to like, um, I think with intervals, the lowest we go now is drop G sharp. And oh, wow. um, yeah, so I just set my bass up a little differently, action like a hair higher, but I use a 127 on that too. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, it works. I'm, I'm very much like, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of a guy. <laughs> Even though I use all this like fancy, you know, these spaceship looking bases and stuff, I'm very much just like, nah, just plug it in and I hope it sounds good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, let's see. What, uh, you have any best tour memories and worse? Ooh. Yeah. Since you're going on tour, let's talk a little bit about yeah, some no, of those experiences. I, I'm trying to think. We um, we played. I was playing with this band called the Faceless, um, and that tour, the tour was a nightmare for reasons I won't get into. But um, (laughs) 
We played uh, Montebello Rockfest in front of like 15,000 people, which was uh-huh. awesome. And then um, at the end of the night, Tenacious D was headlining. And so, you know, I, I love I love Tenacious D. I love I love Jack Black. And I do too. We watched them side stage and um and uh and part of the show they get in like a pretend fight. And so uh Kyle goes to the side of the stage and like, you know, pretends to like pout and he's just sitting, you know, behind their guitar tech so no one could see him. And he just sits down next to me. I'm like, hey man. And he's like, hey. And yeah, it was it was just so cool because yeah, it, it was fucking <laughs> awesome. Um <laughs> yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was crazy. Um I'm trying to think of some other good ones. I mean, just, you know, just some of the sh- we've just played so many like memorable shows. Like we played um we played this festival in India and it was we were like we opened for this band Carnival, which was like okay. is yeah, they're incredible. And mm-hmm. um you know, just being that far away from home and being able to you know, and there was like 9,000 kids there it was absolutely bananas and um just yeah that yeah that i don't know just playing shows like that i I can't really have there's not one that really you know tops the rest but you know when you're that far away from home and you know you meet like you meet such amazing people you know around the world and yeah i don't know a lot of a lot of great stage memories um actually no there was there's one really good one that has nothing to do with the crowd but uh we we played new york one time and we had some really bad technical difficulties and uh, so my guitar player looked at me and he's like, do it. And I just started playing the Seinfeld theme song. <laughs> and me and my drummer just went into a jam and like my whole, all my whole, my whole family and my friends were there and we're all from New York. We're all, you know, we're all Jews from yeah. Long Island. So everybody, <laughs> you know, everyone was just super into it. So it was, it was that's, really sick. <laughs> that's funny, man. Mm-hmm. What about some of the more difficult times? You have a, like the worst show experience you ever had. Uh, yeah. You don't have to name any names. No, no, for just... sure. For sure. Um, there was this one show we played in actually in India where, um, so like power is different, you know, you have to change your, um, you know, or they have to let you know, like, Hey, switch your whatever to, um, this many Watts or something. And, yeah. um, and we were setting up on stage and I'd been playing, this bass called a D rock from Dingwall. It's like their version of a, a Thunderbird. And I didn't bring it on that tour. So I was just setting up. I had my normal bass on and some guy in the crowd saw me and he was just shouting, Jacob, where's the D rock? Where's the D rock? And I'm like, cool. Hey man, it's, it's back home in America. Sorry. I just got these two. He goes, Oh, but why didn't you bring it? And meanwhile, my, my uh, nine volt, my one spot got fried so like we're trying to deal with that situation where my whole pet like you know this thing that's powering my pedal board doesn't work and we yeah. should have gone on like five minutes ago and it was my front of house guy he was he got a at the time he got a really good job working at a, a theater so this was like his last show with us and uh and so I was like fuck like this and this kid meanwhile is just drunk, pissed drunk, screaming at me, Jacob, where's the D-Rock? Where is it? I'm like, dude, it's not here. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And, um, and then I'm trying to, you know, get my shit to work. And, and then my, my front of house guy is like, I can tell he's just so upset. Cause it's like, this is my last show with these guys. Really? You know, I felt so bad. Luckily, like, you know, he came back and we got some really great shows since then, but yeah, it was so, it was so stressful. It's just so, yeah. And there's, there's other, you know, there's other ones that I, you know, I can't tell without naming any names, but, um, right. but that was definitely up there as like one of the, and the show okay. was great. You know, the show was fine. Yeah. We did the show. 
people went off. It was awesome. But just the overall just panic of like, you know, I definitely lost a couple of hairs on my head because that show. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad it turned out all right. Yeah, man. yeah, for sure. <laughs> What's your dream gig? Oh, man. I think I'd love to play for like, you know, a really big like pop artist. You know, I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, you know, just have one of those really sick hired gun gigs. Um, you know, uh, just, just, you know, just cause it, it'd be fun. You know, you just, you show up, you do your homework, you got the, the tunes down and that's it. And you yeah. get to play in front of a jillion people every night. That'd be really, really cool. <laughs> what artist? What artist? I don't Throw know, man. I, Throw I really, it into the universe. Re- Come on. I really like um, Charlie Puth. Uh, a friend of mine actually just got that gig now, which is really sick. I'm so stoked for him. But um, yeah, I don't know. Someone like that or like, um, I don't know. I feel like like an EDM act would be kind of cool too. Like if oh, a yeah. band wanted, like one time uh, I recorded a, a video of me playing over a Zed tune and uh, he commented on it and I was like, oh man, if he ever needs a bass player, like that'd be so sick. But um, I feel like my dream gig would just be like being able to like write my own music and, you know, tour on that, you know, because Intervals is like, um, Intervals is like, you know, my, I, I, I love it. To the day I die, I love it. But it's, um, you know, Aaron, the main guy, it's it's his project, you know. It's his it's his thing. He's basically like intervals, you know. Yeah. But um, and I love that gig, and I'll never, I'll never, you know, it's my gig, you know. But um, you know, a dream would be, you know, being able to just write your own music and and be able to play it, play it live. I think that's that's my my goal. I think. Oh yeah. Well, you should. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I you know I, I hope people dig this this record and um, yeah, it, it's it's cool. I. I I think people will dig it and I hope I get to, you know, bring it out onto the road. It'll be really, really cool. You know, and it, it's going to be funny just going back into a van, you're, you know, touring back in a van or like a sprinter or something. But uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It'll be cool. As long as it's not a Ford Pinto, you're good. Yeah, buddy. it might be. Who knows? <laughs> Dude, some of the some of the rigs that I've been in when I was when I was younger, it's like, yeah, I don't know how we're, how I'm alive. <laughs> but I'm sure, awesome, I'm sure you know man. the deal, man. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, what brings you joy? Brings me joy. Um, I think I really like making other people happy. You know, I like making other people laugh. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, in terms of musically, music... My favorite thing in the world is, you know, besides playing shows and all the obvious stuff, I just love when I send over a bass track to a client and they're just like over the moon about it. And it's like, oh man, I didn't know the bass could like elevate the song this way. Or, you know, I'm so glad, you know. So that kind of stuff, just making maples, making people's songs, you know, what they envision them to be is, is really, really great. But, you know, yeah, just, I guess, you know, making people happy, making people laugh family, you know, all the, all the, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much, pretty much it. <laughs> all right. You have a great spirit, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for jumping on here. Yeah, and, absolutely, uh, man. The, the Bass Freaks podcast. Uh, any last minute advice for bassists out there? Hmm. I'd, I'd say, uh, before you do any of the party tricks, just make sure you're doing the, your job as the bass player. Serve the song. Yeah. 
Good advice. Yeah, it's really easy to overplay, <laughs> especially with all the cool stuff that's coming out, like regarding techniques. So I think um, you know, just making sure you're doing your job as a bass player, even if you're in a technical band, just make sure you're 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 complimenting everybody else before you you go off and do all the crazy stuff. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you for listening in to the Bass Freaks podcast. Stay healthy, spread love, spread joy, kindness, good vibes, and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path, whatever it may be, and just play. Until next time, cheers. And a huge thank you to Dunlop for making this show possible. Make sure you check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts.